Hi, I'm Siobhan Hunt, and this is Kindling Conversation, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. Just a quick note before we get into the next episode. If you haven't already, I'd love you to rate and review Kindling Conversation wherever you get your podcasts, or if you enjoy the episode, share it with your friends. It's always great for more parents to hear these stories and get the information. All right, thank you, and on with the show. I'm 41, and I think it's taken about 41 years to find I'm in a place where I feel reasonably self-assured and assertive, but I don't want it to take my daughter four decades to find a place of strength and confidence. 2017 was a year when the Harvey Weinstein scandal and all the other revelations about um, figures in Australia, such as Don Burke and others, has made us all really aware of how vulnerable women still are. I don't want my daughter to be vulnerable. So what can I do? What can we all do to raise strong girls? And I know, of course, the other part of this equation is the male side of this story, and we will get to that next week. But today I've invited Shiloh Curtis into the studio. She was instrumental in setting up the Australian Football League for Women, and she currently helps young people realise their potential through Own Journey Travel, which is a leadership program that takes place overseas. But Shiloh has been involved in this area for a very long time. Hi, Shalo. How are you? I'm terrific, thank you. Lovely to be here. So if we can start with the very basics, what would your definition be of a strong girl? Well, actually, I think it's uh, a person uh, who is comfortable in their vulnerability, that they don't fear it, that they're really okay with it, and they see the opportunity that exists within vulnerability, and, and that they are someone who has a really diverse and comprehensive little toolkit that they carry with them that can help them navigate vulnerability. Um, because I think vulnerability is something we try to avoid and because uh, we feel uh, compromised, we feel weak, we feel um, – and fear comes from that. Whereas in actual fact, I think you can turn that on its head. And strength – there is great strength in, in being able to be okay with vulnerability um, rather than to avoid it. So I think a strong, empowered – young woman or a, a little girl who is strong and empowered is someone who recognises that you are going to be vulnerable in life, but that's not something to be feared. It's actually something to kind of be excited about because that's an op- that's where the opportunities are for me to grow and develop and learn more about who I am and the world around me. Okay. So in the sense of those things that parents are scared of, like predatory men, <laughs> in that sense, is that more about would you say the way of speaking about it is more about understanding boundaries and being confident with your boundaries as opposed to that word of being vulnerable, which kind of implies that we're all sitting ducks? Yeah, because I think, I think there's a disempowerment. If we start using that language, we actually disempower our girls. But yes, there are realities in life that, you know, not everyone is going to be the safest person or um, the most um, supportive person at the other end of the spectrum. But uh, I think it's more around acknowledging that these times will occur but what can I help you develop within yourself and they are things like boundaries and 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 having some values some personal values about what you want for yourself and that also what you stand for as a person but it's not just that bit it's about practicing the behaviors to actually implement those boundaries it's I mean I have lots of different boundaries but if I don't exercise those boundaries and I don't say no, that's not okay for me, 
then what's the point of having them? I think a lot of the time that's the real difficulty with girls and women is that we we have boundaries, but it's really hard for us to say no because we're so socialised to please people. We're carers, we're nurturers, we want to contribute, we want to connect people, we want to help. We're socialised to be that, but innately that's kind of within our makeup. So when someone is making a move that might cross our boundaries, to be able to say no to someone and reject that person and say, this is not okay for me, you actually have to put yourself first. But women and girls are socialised to put others first, to look after the people around you. And that's a real challenge. Uh, I think that's the real challenge in this whole equation is to empower our girls and women enough to actually exercise our boundaries. That's the challenge. Mm. So in terms of, I know that you've worked a lot with um, teenagers and young women. Do you have any thoughts about how to sort of, I guess, plant the seeds of what you're talking about? Because I... I'm, I'm hoping that what you're talking about is kind of a lifelong lesson. I feel like I'm still learning these things, right? I just am hoping that I can give my daughter, I guess, the scaffolding that she can have some skills sooner than I did. So I feel like it wasn't until I was an adult and I made some serious mistakes that I learned some of these lessons. And I, I'm not saying that she won't make those mistakes. But is there a way or s- some ways that we can start planting the seed? with our young girls. So for example, if we talk about boundaries and the girl is, let's say, five or six, how would you teach that age child about what her boundaries are and and sort of developing them for herself? I think the important thing is to make saying no okay. And I think giving children choice, and that's been one of the most wonderful things about working with girls within the AFL is that it's no longer because you're a girl you have to sit here it's about facilitating choice for these girls and then empowering them to make that decision so it might even be just even at the dinner table what would you like for dinner tonight when you're preparing the meals as opposed to this is what you're getting and just take it um clothes i'm thinking is probably a good one because there's always something you want them to wear and they're like nah yeah like whenever i babysit my niece who's just turned four yesterday you know i'll say to lola you, know, you, you go and choose what you want to wear. Now, her mum and I probably think, oh, that doesn't go with that and whatever, but who cares? Who cares? What she's actually expressing is who she is, her own authenticity and what's calling her. And we know there are some challenges around media and the like and marketing and advertising that influences um, their choices that they make. But at the same time, it's about um, acknowledging that they have their own ideas about how they want to be in the world and 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 rewarding and recognizing those but also similarly when they say no to things like I don't want to eat the peas tonight we'll have a conversation about why and try and get them to understand the decisions that they're making and actually having some thought um, around that uh, so I think those things are really important rewarding and acknowledging when girls do say no and I think that's really powerful because we just don't get enough practice at saying no we have to be good girls mm-hmm. often and in, in fact there's a lot of pressure pressure for us to be you know the good little girl the perfect girl the perfect wife get good marks at school you know whereas boys have a little bit more freedom to kind of be a bit ratty and you mm, know cheeky yeah that's, my that's thing. right absolutely so mm. I think and even saying to your daughters it's okay to say no and just practice that in the little daily things that you do across uh, your time with your children you're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Charlotte Curtis, who's the founder of Own Journey Travels. She's been involved in leadership programs for young people for a long time and has a passion for equity issues um, all across the board. But we're talking at the moment about girls and gender, I suppose. And uh, we're talking about how to raise strong girls, because that's something that I think about with my own daughter. I want her to be strong and confident. 
Shyla, one of the things that I do find hardest as a parent is letting my daughter or son make mistakes, to fail, to be disappointed. But I know <laughs> that this is what they really need. I mean, do you feel that way, that we we can also with our girls wrap them up in cotton wool and not let them out in the world to make those mistakes that will ultimately make them stronger? Yeah, it's, it's, an, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I guess one of the beautiful things about ageing that I'm enjoying is just the expanded uh, resources that I have um, to help me through those forks in the road and things that were challenging when I was 21 are much easier to navigate now because I've got a template that I've used in the past that's worked for me. But of course, if that's worked for me and then I see a, a young person sort of heading towards that same car crash that I might have been involved in when I was 21, you know, I'm like, oh, but I know how to avoid that. And, and I'm, you know, you, you really want to help that person avoid that. But I guess if you do that, what you're actually removing from them is an opportunity to develop that resource for themselves and to develop the life experience that you know, we know is so important that carries us through. So, you know, I was talking to a mother yesterday that's, uh, you know, was worried about her daughter going out on schoolies last year. And she, and she was like, my daughter said, don't call me every day, mum. Just send me a photo of the dog. And, and so my friend was, uh, you know, I, so I keep sending her the photo of the dog and she responds and I know she's okay. And I'm like, but you can't protect them from everything because if you do, you're actually damaging them, in fact. You've got to let your kids fall over. And keep in mind that there's opportunity. I, I'm a firm believer that there's opportunity in everything. If you do the work around help and having discussions around making good decisions, that strong self-awareness piece, feeling comfortable in vulnerability so it's not disempowering, it's actually empowering and exciting in some ways. When they do hit those forks in the road and they do fall over, trust that you've built enough little, you've packed enough little resources into their toolkit as, as they've grown up that they'll be able to navigate their way through it. But keep in mind, every time you do something for someone else, you're taking away an opportunity for them to do that themselves or learn how to do it for themselves. And I think long term, that's more damaging and more disempowering. So you've just got to trust that process. And and I think it's great when you call yourself on it, when you actually, you know, you feel that anxiety or you realise you're doing it for them, that maybe you're doing them a disservice. Yeah. So with the idea of the toolkit, because <laughs> as a mother, I'm not, as I mentioned, I'm not very good with the letting them fail and all the rest of it, but there's this sense of responsibility I have about if she falls, have, have I given her the right tools to find her way through? Have I given my son the right tools to navigate? And I've got to say that with a five and a three-year-old... <laughs> It is yep. very tough because you can say as many times, it doesn't matter that you didn't touch the car first, darling. It doesn't matter you weren't first in the car, darling, and she cries all the way to school. It doesn't matter. And you try and say these things. So what is important here, okay? that's It's it's how you play the game, not winning that counts, you know, and they, it doesn't stop them bawling their eyes out all the way through. Um, so what would you say, I mean, firstly, is it... <laughs> Is it repetition of the things that you believe are important to help them? Or um, is it finding practical ways of showing them how they can come through something that's upset them? Yeah, I think um, a few things sort of come to mind there. But certainly, I mean, you've got to keep – you've got to really – you've got to believe – the talk and then you've got to walk the talk as an adult and you've got a role model and a spouse those things so you actually even have to check yourself on how you respond to disappointment or what you perceive to be as a failure even how you position those things in your own life in front of your children I think that's important that as a leader of young people I was always really conscious of making sure that I was role modeling and being the things that I've asked them to challenge themselves on and you know a lot of my work with young people has really been around using the concept of growth mindset that we get to choose 
our finishing point and, and our starting point might be defined through DNA and, and our innate capacity, but our finishing point is only defined by what, what, what we choose to do. And that is through application effort strategies that we use and the help that we receive from others and, and that we seek from others as well. And there are three main principles around that, focusing on our process over our outcomes, coaching and training and rewarding our work rate over our, our talent. And then uh, the last one is to enjoy challenges as an opportunity to get even better. So if our language and the way in which we um, we analyse the, the contributions of our kids or the behaviours of our kids, if we do it through a growth mindset lens, and there are really some really terrific resources for parents in particular, and, and there's, all of this stuff is now being taught in primary schools, there are some, some great resources to support leaders of children and young people around this. But if your language really is around rewarding and recognising process um, and, and coaching and training um, work rate, you know, what your kids will eventually, I guess, work out is that being first to the car wasn't the important thing it was about the effort that they applied and I really loved your running technique as you ran to the car and you and you didn't give up and that and then you know kids want to please their parents don't they so if our parents keep if parents keep um, role modeling that it's process that you're seeking not outcome even when the the report cards come in from school you know I can see that you've worked really hard to get your, your results up in maths or in English or your handwriting I see you practicing that's just so good as opposed to focusing on what the letter or the number is at the end of the term or the semester. Those are the things that you know will eventually um, be hardwired in the brains of kids. And and I think the earlier you start with that, the better. I think um, parents, I think, have to sort of challenge themselves on what their kids represent for them. And that's really hard um, because I think we all sort of see children as an extension of of our own sense of self-worth and our value and if our kids are a bit ratty and they, you know, they're sort of like, what well, does that mean? Is that a poor reflection on who I am as a parent? Well, no, it's not. You know, they're their own individual beings with their own souls, their own psyches, they're on their own journeys and our role is to help facilitate some of that. But absolutely our sense of self-worth and who we are as people um, and our contribution to the world isn't defined by the, by the outcome success of our children. So that's a real challenge in itself. And so I think what's really important that we keep really focusing on process, work rate and, and enjoying challenge, not being scared of it and, and even changing the word fail. I don't think anything's a failure unless, you know, that, that old cliche of, you know, unless you fail to learn something from it. But I really see when you don't get the outcomes you're after um, that that's exciting. That's truly exciting because that's where I learn and get better. If everything was, if I'm so talented that everything is easy all my life, there will be a point at which I'll move into a deeper talent pool. And if I haven't fallen over along the way and developed that little bag of tricks, when I get to that really deep talent pool, I'm absolutely going to drown because I'm going to have nothing to keep me afloat. Whereas everyone else who's been allowed to fall over and work it out for themselves, or they've had to do that, that's been the reason why they got to that deep talent pool um, because they've had to work hard to get there, they're the ones that will actually thrive and survive and flourish. So um, that's I, th- I think it's important we bring challenge to kids and that we role model that as parents and we actively seek challenge for ourselves and we get rid of this word failure because nothing's a failure. <clears throat> I, was so, I was listening to you going, yes, I do that, I do that, I do that, and then you went, just when you said we've got to challenge ourselves, I was like, oh, damn, that means I'm going to have to get on that bike again. Correct. I'm going to have to fall over. It's funny when you think about what you – I think parents can be very critical of themselves, but at that point you made about um, our child's behaviour not necessarily being a reflection on us, that's a big lesson and I think it's a, a great one to 
move forward with. I'm going to take it from this interview and other things as well. Um, Okay, so here's a question you may not be able to answer. How do you know when it's working? So as I mentioned with small children, you can hear things, you can listen to this kind of interview, you can go back into your own life and try to apply what you've said. And small children, as you say, they're individuals, they have their own spirit, they have their own way of doing things, and they will always thwart your attempts and whatever you're doing um, because they're individuals, right? So when they're young and they're very challenging and they're learning, how do you know it's working? Well, I think how do you know it's working within yourself? And what you'll find is that, you know, those really high peaks and those really deep troughs you know, when you move up and down, that's exhausting, emotionally exhausting. And what you find when you start applying some of this philosophy around yourself, that those peaks and troughs aren't as high and as low. And so you just have a much more balanced emotional um, state. You have a, a calmer equilibrium and you'll start to experience that in your kids. And rather than just try and give the kids to the answers or to try to fix things for them, you know, use those spaces to be able to uh, ask questions. And then you'll you'll eventually find that the answers you get from the que- from the kids are, and the young people are generally a little bit more philosophical um, they'll start to they'll start to reward and recognize themselves and they'll be able to call themselves on 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 their own behavior or or, or on the things that they did or didn't learn and they'll self-regulate eventually and they'll also and, and you'll just as on a basic level you'll just find that there there's less anxiety because if you have to be the best if you are an outcome focused person if you have to be the best all the time and get to the car first all the time there's a lot of anxiety in that because you've got you you are going to lose that sometimes you know, living with that anxiety is not fun. So you'll see you'll see a much more balanced emotional state from your kids just as a starting point. But you'll, as they get older and they get more articulate with their language, you'll actually start to hear greater, I guess, deeper a deeper understanding of the principles you're trying to teach them um, through their language that they communicate. I live in hope, Shiloh. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today. No worries. Great to be here. That's Shiloh Curtis. She's the founder of Own Journey Travel. Where the beanies? Get your child off screens and into their imagination as we explore how bubbles are made. What's in a sneeze? Achoo! And what's with the weather today? Professor Know-it-all knows. Hello, beanies. Hello. The, the beanies. beanies. A podcast just for kids. Subscribe now on iTunes or listen anytime on the Kindling app.